All right, welcome to Tell Me About It, Episode 7. We have here today a full-time, award-winning comedian. Marcus Ryan has traveled around the world performing in over 43 countries, and now he's here to share his journey as a comedian and talk about what it's really like to be in the industry and answer our burning questions. So thanks for doing this. I know it's kind of last minute, um, but yeah, I really appreciate you being here. Yeah, it's uh, great to be here. Thanks for thanks for squeezing in me. Squeezing in me? Squeeze. <laughs> Look, I've, I, no one can see this, but I've only had a tiny bit of coffee, so I need all of that coffee for my English words to come out. <laughs> um, so let's just start with you talking a little bit about yourself. Obviously, you're from Australia. Do you still live there? And tell us a little bit about you. Well, like all uh, good Australians in Calgary, I... Um, I don't work at Banff. That's <laughs> um, a very localized reference, I guess. But uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I've been coming to Canada for over 14 years, performing stand-up comedy. And in the last four or five years, I've um, found out about these things called fringe festivals, and I've been touring around uh, doing those. So yeah, this is my second time doing the Calgary Fringe, and uh, it's coming to a close today. But uh, yeah, I. Uh, I, I get here as much as I can every every summer, never in the winter. Mm. No, definitely not. What's your What's your honest opinion about Calgary? Fix the roads. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I really like the city. I was talking with a friend yesterday about this. There's a it's it's an easy city to get around if you don't have a vehicle. If you if you want to stay local, that's if you're staying downtown. I don't know what's um you know, what it's like for people in the suburbs to, to get in and out and do things. But there seems to be always something going on. However, I am always here in the summertime. So that's like, it's just like so many festivals and things happening and the weather's usually fairly good. Um, so I, I enjoy it. Uh, I think it's a cool place and I've got a lot of friends here I've made over the years. So I like coming back. Have you been to Stampede? Yes, never again. <laughs> <laughs> I I wanted to um, experience it, and I, you know, it was it was one of those things I ticked off the ticked off the list, and like, yeah, okay, now I get it. I'm not really in a hurry to go back to it. I think I was I was here the year that the uh, the infamous um, uh, thing happened with the with oh, the no. the two guys and the girl. Yeah, <laughs> great time to come and you know witness Calgary at its finest. So let's get into your kind of journey as a comedian. When did this all start for you? I think it started when I was in uh, probably like school, I guess. I started doing hosting uh, school assemblies and things like that. Like I was one of the student leaders and uh, I used to do the presentation nights and then do sketches and things like that uh, with a couple of friends. So I got the buzz, got the got the excitement to want to be a comedian, and and then I've managed to make it happen. And uh, gradually over time, through doing stand up comedy, I got the confidence to do longer stories. Um, so you kind of transition from one liners and observations to real stories about yourself because you get the confidence to uh, to allow silence in a room. When you first start doing comedy, there's always uh, the the fear that oh no one's laughing so i have to keep talking you don't want silence no and then when you realize that very first time people are just sat there watching and you think oh no i've lost them nobody's 
nobody's laughing and then you then you think again it's like oh no I've got them like that's when they're engaged and that's when I knew I could transition into doing stories and um, I've started doing storytelling nights getting away from stand-up comedy nights um, it's a it's a crazy transition though it's a weird a weird thing to go to a comedy night and then go to a storytelling night because they're, they're quite different and what was your first stand-up show like I did a lot of shots of some kind of alcohol. <laughs> I drank a few beers. It was in a bar that I worked at and it was in a country town in Australia and there was about 500 people in the audience because in a small town when there's something happening, uh, everybody comes to it. So we had a, we organised this night in the, in the hometown. Um, it, was, it was also like my hometown gig kind of thing. So they'd organised a gig for some big-name TV comedians to come and do a show, and we had a band on afterwards. And so everyone I knew was there, just about. And I had talked to the organisers to put a show together uh, about the show, and I said I'd wanted to do comedy. So we made the show happen, and um, they got me. They allowed me to get on stage. And I did about 10 minutes. Um, and I was reading stuff out off paper. I was like... I wore shorts as well. I wasn't even like I was so naive to how it all worked and I got up on stage wearing my shorts and t-shirt. I wasn't sort of dressed up as if I was in showbiz or anything. And um yeah, I think I I think I got through it. Like people were encouraging and I I walked away not remembering any of it. I didn't fi- I didn't film the gig. I just I remember like bits of it that happened. But um yeah. Anyway, a week so later. No awkward silences or anything. I'm sure there was. I don't know. I quit my job um, that week, I think, to do comedy to become a comedian. What were you doing before? I was working on radio. I was a breakfast radio announcer. So, I mean, I was I was kind of aware that I wanted to do some kind of entertainment, but I didn't know that comedy could be a job. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I wanted to be an actor, but I didn't like the idea of going to drama school. So uh, then comedy just naturally happened and um, years later, here I am (laughs) telling jokes into a microphone. (laughs) Um, Were your parents supportive of you transitioning to this? (laughs) Transitioning. Transitioning. That's such a word. Yeah, I I feel like now the word shouldn't even be used for that um it's yeah I came out I came out and told my parents I I would like to live as a as a comedian and not a boy um at uh yeah I think they were I think my dad probably freaked out thinking I should have a real job um not knowing that this could be something until until years later I start you know showing him the checks I was receiving and like hey look at this dad and you know I got paid to do that and so I think it's still a scary thing I think all parents probably want to make sure their kids are, are going to be okay. And then I've just proved to them by not, not ever coming home. <laughs> like, I can do this without you. I don't want your money. I'm fine. But please cook for me and do my washing. Um, I totally agree because the other day I told my parents I wanted to try doing a stand-up show just kind of once and just to see how it goes, whatever. And they completely freaked out and were like, you're quitting your job. Oh my God. And like, I'm like, no, I'm doing this one time. Just chill. (laughs) But Yeah. yeah, I think all parents are like that and they just, they don't understand really what it really is like. Um, do you ever get super nervous? before a show no 
Not anymore. I used to, uh, like when I first started out, or if it was a gig that uh, held great importance in my mind. But now I think about every gig and I think there's they're not nothing, no gig's important. Like, it's important for me to try and put on the best show possible for that audience. And I appreciate every audience that comes to see me if it's my own solo show. I know they've paid good money to be there and they've taken time out. They've organized babysitters or whatever it is. So I, I, I do everything I can to make sure that one hour is a great hour. But I don't get nervous anymore as far as, oh, I hope they like it or whatever. I'm, I'm pretty confident that I'm good at what I do. So I just hope the night goes smoothly. That's about it. And what do you do to prep for your shows? Like, do you write down notes or do you kind of just wing it? Uh, Interesting. Well, it it depends what it is. I mean, I'm touring uh, a lot of storytelling shows now and they are very scripted. Uh, They're themed. So one of them was about a, uh, a year and a half that I hitchhiked around Latin America um, and so then I wrote a show about that. So I created a narrative. I, I do a show that has a bunch of slides in it. And um, so I tell stories of, of the photographs and then I talk about um, what happened and where I went and things like that. So that's the preparation for that is just making sure everything's in order as far as the tech stuff goes. Um, the f- actual preparation for stand-up comedy shows now if I am doing a gig uh, for 10 minutes, I tend to just get up and wing it. Or I, I think I wing it more when it's a half an hour set um, because I've got more time to think about what I'm doing on stage. I've got the material. Like I've done, I've done stand-up for 18 years, so I've got enough material and experience to know what, what can happen in any situation. Mm-hmm. I think I have to prepare more if it's a three-minute set like a, a something that I'd have to do for TV or radio where they need you to do a short, sharp set and then you have to actually be prepared because right. time goes so quickly on stage. For stand-up shows, how often do you repeat your jokes? Uh, a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, say you're doing like a show at the same place for like a few nights in a row or like a week apart. Aren't you ever worried that the same people might show up i feel like this is a personal attack because <laughs> you you saw me two weeks in a row right i did i i went to a comedy show the last two weeks and marcus was there one night he was hosting and then the other night he was one of the acts so i heard maybe one or two jokes that were the same but not they weren't all the same so i was just wondering like how often do you recycle them do you use jokes that you've used like years ago too uh yeah for sure i mean if you go and watch uh you go and watch your favorite band play you 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 want them to play the same same song right you get angry when they don't it's funny because you see a comedian for the very first time and a, a week later you see them and you go oh hang on no i've heard you do that you should have written a whole new routine in six days if you see a band that you saw 20 years ago, then you see them again, you go, how come you're not playing the song that I knew from 20 years ago that I hear on the radio every day, that I play on my CD player every day? It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a, that's what makes comedy hard is because it takes a long time to work on a joke and make a joke um, gel. Like you've, you might see a comedian get up on stage and try out a theme or an idea, but that's like baby steps of that joke. That joke's not written yet. 
they that they need to workshop it on stage in front of a live audience. They can't practice that in a garage like a band can. Right. They have to really test it in front of audiences, find different ways to get it right, and then do it as much as they can. <laughs> I've done jokes for years and then I've found a new lease on on life. Like with a certain joke of like, oh, I'm bored with that, but then I'll right. do a, do a joke again and go, oh, that's a different way I could do that. So I try to move on from jokes, but then sometimes I find out that they fit in nicely with a different routine I've just written, or I can give them a new, new um, I don't know, new lease on life perhaps. How do you kind of deal with or handle super triggering topics or like very topical things that you know that some people in the crowd might get offended? Do you try and steer away from that or? Um it depends if I can tell people in the audience are filming. <laughs> the problem with uh, free speech is that you can't be on stage delivering a joke that's improvised uh, at a comedy night and then know that in that moment it's a fun time to sort of workshop a joke or everyone knows that you're having fun with it and it's like a, it's made up or it's on the spot. Or even the intent, like intention's a huge thing, right? If you're on stage and you are quite clearly not having any malicious intent with a topic, but then there's someone in the crowd takes a photo and then screenshots something or puts something in a blog or tweets and says, I heard someone do a joke about such and such. And then they, they don't even give any context to it. And then all of a sudden you are you know evil because of what you've just mm-hmm. talked about like you can if if a comedian gets on stage and just says the word cancer or says rape or says aids or says something like this even just touching on the subject um without you might get up and talk about pedophilia and just by saying pedophilia an audience will turn against you but they don't even know like you might be the victim of that right but they don't give you a chance because they go, no, we don't want to hear it because that's, no, you shouldn't even joke about that. So I don't know. I think it's a very, very scary time to be a stand-up comedian. Oh, totally. I remember a couple of years ago at a show I went to, one of the comedians was talking about anti-vaxxers and, you know, how your kids are going to die. And it was funny, but some moms did not think so. Um, they remember they were in the front, I remember, and they just got up and left. They were not impressed. But yeah, I guess it's, it's kind of funny how that is. Um, but yeah, moving on to the next question. Do you hate when people ask you to tell them a joke or they're like say something funny <laughs> that depends is that the next question on yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I do hate it um I well I don't hate it I I expect it and I have to I hate what I hate about that is the way I react I need to learn and I really wish there was some kind of guidebook uh for a comedian and for any industry to be honest because I'm sure Every single person in every industry gets asked the stereotypical uh, stereotypical questions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like a, a friend who's a doctor will be asked all the time, oh, can you take a look at this for me, please? Yeah. And doctors hate that. So for comedians, we hate being asked to say something funny. We also hate um, people saying, oh, 
are you funny or who's your favorite comedian? There's like a top 10 list of questions that we get asked. But what I really want to work on is the way I react and not be offended because I know it's just a it's just the way people try to uh, have a conversation because it's small talk, I guess. Mm-hmm. And maybe they don't know anything about that industry. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't hate it. I'm just aware of it and it happens a lot. And I try and find ways to deflect it and get, a, get around it. Don't ask me the question though. <laughs> Tell me something funny. <laughs> <laughs> hey, anti-vaxxers. <laughs> um, you've traveled all around the world do you have a favorite place that you've been to um, that you've done a show that's kind of always stuck with you and been super memorable? That's the second question I hate. No, when, I mean, I've traveled to, I've actually traveled to 60 something countries, uh, but I've performed comedy in 43 countries. So yeah, there's about 17 countries I, I didn't, didn't do a gig in because I wasn't aware of uh, the potential to do comedy at that stage in those places. Um I mean, yeah, any traveler who has seen a lot of the world is is kind of, I, I won't say they they can't find a favorite country, but um, for me in particular, I don't, I, I find good things about every single place I go and, I, and there's bad things about everywhere. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I loved hiking in Peru. Um, I love the, the nightlife in Barcelona, like their culture, the way they are. Um, I I love this just cycling around the canals of uh, the Netherlands. Um, New York's a really vibrant city. I love the desert in in Nevada. There's just like yeah, there's places all over the world that have something completely different. And I like the chaos of Vietnam and mm. other parts of Southeast Asia as well. So, but most importantly, I like the beach when I go back to Australia. When I go home, I can just sit on the beach and with my dog, and it's pretty cool. Do you ever feel like you want to just like, if there's, I've heard there's kind of like a comedian switch where you just kind of want to turn it off and chill without having to think about, you know, making people laugh, to say the least. Do I want to turn my, turn it off? Like stop like being are funny? Are always kind of thinking of like trying to make people laugh, even just when you're out like in social situations? Um, I don't think it's trying to make people laugh. It's natural. Like I'm, yeah, I, I think there are people who are always trying to be funny for their own uh, self-esteem or uh, social insecurities. And that probably was true to an extent when I was younger and I didn't know my place in the world. Um, now I I do it for a job. Like it's a, it's a full-time job for me. So uh, I'm not walking around. I'm not the I'm not the life of the party. I'm not the one who's in the... Most people who meet me, they're like, oh, you're not very funny for a comedian. And so I'm like, well, it's, that's what I do as a job. I, in my downtime, I actually just like to listen and talk to people and I have, have real conversations. So, But if I was trying to impress someone, wanting to date someone or, hey, look at me, it's, it's, it's the kind of a thing people do. But um, more often than not, I'd rather just switch it off. I think so, yeah. Would you ever date another comedian? Or would that just be like too much? <laughs> is this a question one of the comedians you know has asked me? Or <laughs> asking for a friend? No. <laughs> asking for a friend who I saw uh, perform, who <laughs> who got up on stage and talked about their. <laughs> Let me just okay. So okay. two <laughs> 
two weeks ago, I went to a show here in Calgary that Marcus was performing at, and my friend, um, won't say her name, but she did a stand-up show for the first time ever, um, which was super exciting for her, and then she was like, she wanted me to ask Marcus, oh, how did I do, whatever, and I actually remember when you got up back on stage, you asked her, oh, was this your first time? Just curious, and she was like, was it that obvious? And then Marcus was like, oh, it just seemed more like a therapy session. <laughs> but it was hilarious. <laughs> I, I, I was told that it was her first time. Oh, you were. And what I did as an MC was to be encouraging. And it was actually a, a way of uh, letting the audience know that, hey, man, this is pretty cool. Like, that's someone's first time. Show them, show them some appreciation. Because I like that. I like to, uh, in that moment, it's like, no, let's, let's celebrate that because this is a – this is a groundbreaking, a groundbreaking thing for that person and it's scary and it's exciting and it hopefully that kind of stuff in that moment encourages other people in the audience who are like, oh, wow, that's that's pretty cool. Maybe they'll go over and say well done to her and that'll help her out. Maybe yeah. there'll be people in the audience who want to try it themselves. So it's, it's a way of sort of um, not moving on from the moment, like actually just – because that's that's a real moment that happened in that show, and it's not just a totally. another gig. It's like, yeah, hey, let's just stop and acknowledge it, and that's pretty cool. But also, yeah, it was uh, everything. All the material was talking about ex boyfriends. It's like, I think, I think, I think the intention of that gig was to to get a few things off her chest. <laughs> <laughs> but I think she did well. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. did actually. Yeah. Back to the the dating question. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> um, I've never never dated another comedian um not through lack of wanting to i don't think i've ever actually no, i've never i've never uh i've never wanted to date another comedian uh, there's never been another comedian i've thought that oh yeah we should start seeing each other um probably though for 15 years i've lived on the road like i i lived in england scotland i've lived in canada and I tour solo, so to have any dating in any capacity is actually quite difficult. Yeah. I've had girlfriends, and we've we've broken up because long distance doesn't work for me or them. And um, so I don't know. I think I'm married to my job mostly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to you know people who are performing for the first time, or they're just kind of getting interested in stand up. What kind of advice would you give to them? And like getting the courage to go and do that first show uh date a comedian and then you'll find out no uh i don't know i mean look if you've got a good job and you're happy in your life and you and you don't need to do it don't do it it's a rabbit hole huh like i i think there's there's people who want to do it just to give it a go and see what it's like and that's fine um but those of us that do it full time it's a it's beyond a passion it's an obsession Mm. and it's the kind of thing that if you're going to do it and you actually really want to make it happen you sacrifice so much your personal life your relationships friendships uh your lifestyle like your um eating habits your sleeping habits wherever you live you kind of commit to it a hundred percent and uh everything else takes a second place um so my advice for anyone who's starting out, just be careful. If it's something you really want to do, it'll change your life and it's not, a, it's not an easy life, that's for sure. Uh, people, think, 
people look at what I do and they go, oh, you're living the dream. Look at you. You're seeing the world. They don't see that I'm sitting in an apartment most of the time doing admin, promoting my shows, um, booking flights and accommodation and, uh, you know, juggling, waiting for bookers or festivals to get back to me, looking at every deadline. And then you get on stage and it's then you're dealing with the venue and then you're dealing with the audience and then... So there's a lot of work involved. Um, but if you want to do it for the first time, film it. Just so you can look back and go, oh, I did that and that'd be kind of cool. Um, have fun. But if the if you've been given five minutes on stage, be aware of the time because mm-hmm. some people just lose track of time and they think they're only talking for a minute but they end up talking for 10 minutes. And you won't be invited back if you run over the time. <laughs> Have you ever seen, you know, someone that's gone up for the first time and they just completely botched it and like ran off stage because they got so freaked out? Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I used to, I, you know, when I started out, I was in open mic nights a lot. And uh, a lot of my friends, uh, or a lot of a lot of people I saw were, you know, going up for the first time. So, um, but I think, I think at that age, I was also quite nervous myself so I was never at the point where I could sort of look at them and uh, you know go oh well they're having a tough time because I was probably shitting myself backstage as well I was probably nervous and thinking oh well I hope hope it goes okay for me I'm and now I see open mic nights and I watch people struggle and you know I've seen some people really bomb but I don't know I think audiences tend to be fairly fairly okay with it fairly uh encouraging or supportive I guess I feel like people will give like a little chuckle at least or like to make it less cringy I've definitely done that so (laughs) let's get into some of the questions I got from my Instagram yeah first one who is your all-time favorite comedian is it Dane Cook Russell Peters (laughs) (laughs) uh it's interesting that you said both of those names because they're both known joke thieves Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. No, neither of those come anywhere near the top for me. Um, I like uh, Billy Connolly. He's a Scottish um, legend, and he's a, he's just an amazing storyteller. Uh, he now has uh, Parkinson's, I believe, and uh, he's wow. he he'll never uh, perform again, unfortunately. But um, he, he was amazing watching him growing up. Uh, one-liner comedians like um, Mitch Hedberg. Uh, was was amazing. Um, Jim Gaffigan, I really find funny. Norm Macdonald is a, a huge influence on me. Uh, Canadian Canadian legend of comedy. Um, yeah. So I don't know. There's, and then there's there's a there's a bunch of friends I grew up with as well who I really enjoyed. Um, there's some amazing uh, sketch comedians as well that I've enjoyed sitcoms and stuff like that. I get influenced by a lot of people. Who is your favorite or most memorable heckler? I don't even really know what a heckler is. <laughs> you don't know what a heckler is? A heckler is the the a-hole in an audience who decides they should shout out something. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people get this confused. They think that when a comedian uh, talks back to an audience, they think the comedian is heckling them. But we're not. The heckler is the person trying to disturb the show. Mm. The comedian is the one who is putting them down or setting them straight 
or saying, you know, we, we have a retort to a heckle. Yeah. A lot of hecklers think they're actually helping a show as well or that they're welcome. Um, I'll let everyone who's listening now know heckling is not welcome. Nobody likes it, but we know how to deal with it. So if you think you're going to be a smart Alec and get up on get up at a show and then try and shout out something and think that you're funny, we will destroy you. I I mean if I will anyway. I'm I love it. I don't encourage it. I don't want people to heckle me because it really just ruins a show. But I will I will I will make them cry. <laughs> Do you have a time that was most memorable to you? One thing that um one thing that actually threw me off was years ago I was um I was still very new to comedy and somehow at one show I had a little stutter on stage. I don't, I don't know why and sometimes it creeps in but uh, I'm not someone who has a, a speech, speech impediment or anything but when I when I was on stage this time I was just fumbling through something I was saying and some guy shouted out and I still remember it quite clearly. He just said, today, Junior. He just called me Junior and he's like, but it was a it was a heckle about me like hurrying up speaking and it really like, I don't know if it got a laugh or whether I laughed or what happened, but it's, it made me sink a little bit. I was like, oh, God. It really threw me. Um, anyway, but that's fine. I had, a, I had a heckler just last week in Calgary at a, at a comedy club. And uh, he, I went up on stage and I, I did a little rant about Canada, about a bunch of things that I think is negative about this country because everybody paints Canada as this beautiful place and everyone's friendly and it's all nice. And as a comedian, that's not a great way to get laughs, you know. Just being positive and happy is not a good thing. So I got up and I started talking about how you've got no buses anymore because Greyhound, even they don't want to be here. I talked about how expensive your planes and your um, mobile phone data is, all this stuff. I went on a rant about your roads are never fixed. And this guy thought I was just being angry at the country. And he's like, oh, tell us how you really feel. I was like, of course I will. That's what comedy is. I'm not going to get up and just be happy and go, well, this is lovely. Good night. You know, so it was a bad heckle. Heckin, heckler. (laughs) Um, We kind of touched upon this, but what do you do when you hear crickets after a joke? Or what do you personally do and what would you tell people to do if that happens to them? Enjoy it. Yeah, embrace that. Um, I mean, there's there's a, there's kind of a template of ways to deal with it. If you have a joke that doesn't work, you can do like a saving line. Um, and you tend to get a laugh from that. Like there's an awkward silence, so you might say something else that, that comes back from that and go, ooh, that was a tough one. You know, you just comment on yourself. Um, but then you get more laughs from that. So then people sometimes try and deliberately put the, the saving line in on top of a joke that's not a good joke. So my advice on that would be don't don't get comfortable with the the bad joke and then try and make it funny with the with the throwaway line at the end because everyone will start learning that, oh, you're just deliberately trying to set yourself up for disaster. You know, um, I would say go away and write a better joke. <laughs> don't, don't, don't... Uh, don't have that other stuff up your sleeve, right? Um, I'm, yeah, I've been doing comedy so long that silence is great. I love it. I like creating awkward silence and I like creating tension and I like people groaning. 
Um, yeah, laughter is just a, a part of it. I think reaction is what I want. So any kind of reaction is great. As long as people aren't talking in a show, they're, they're the worst. They're worse than hecklers. People so, who just sat there chatting away to each other and they're oblivious to what's going on or they're on their phone texting. I can't stand those people. I think a heckler is more welcome because at least they, they're part of the show. They're listening to the show enough to want to interrupt it. Someone who's just talking to each, their friends, they're interrupting because they're just pricks. Next question. If you could go back in time, which career path would you have chosen instead? I'm very fascinated with psychology. Uh, so I think that would be kind of cool. I'd like to be a... I would have liked to probably stay in the arts in some capacity, though. Maybe a, a musician would be nice. I still like entertaining. I have this secret desire to sing. Uh, and, and Yeah, well, it's not so secret. I tell people about it. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I love music and I would love to work in music and I'd like to know about the technology behind it to be able to create things. Um, but I think probably... Probably something in in uh, the public arena, I guess, doing whether it be politics or or working as a an entertainer in some capacity. I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think I'll move to writing after this, though. Oh yeah. Yeah, to get away from doing live shows all the time, I'd like to just to work on writing books and things like that. That'd be cool. Sit in a cabin in the woods and just become an an author. What kinds of books? Probably travel books. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've written, uh, I've written two shows that are all about my well, three three shows now. They're all about my travels and the stories that I've got up to, mm-hmm. and a lot of people I know who are authors uh, who've seen my show and their friends. They said, and they've read my work. I write about what I do as well, and people read that and they they quite often say, "Oh, you should turn this into a book. This is definitely worthy of a book." So. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of now finding the time to sit down and make it happen. Just thought of another question. If, like, I know often people will exaggerate jokes, but are there times where you or other comedians make up stories because you know it'll be funny and get the audience going? Nothing wrong with that, but just curious if that's a thing. I think it's definitely a thing. Okay. I've, ex- I've exaggerated stories um, to, to get a nice little punchline on the end. Um, but I think that's, uh, that's part of it, like stretching the truth. That's what storytelling is. They're tall tales. You, I, think, I think most people I know are funnier than me. Most of my friends are funnier than me, but they couldn't do what I do on stage. Uh, a lot of people have much more interesting stories, um, but they could never tell that story. So I've got the ability to tell a story. Um, most of my stories, in fact, I would say, I don't know, 99% of the things I tell on stage are true because they come from, I'm not creative enough to make up something. Like I can, I can twist stories and I can add to it and I can, I can highlight things and I can throw a little white line there to make it more uh, comical, mm-hmm. but it all comes from something that actually happened to me. So I, I'm doing a show now about walking across Spain and people are like, oh, but did you really do it? I was like, yes, of course. <laughs> I've got the photos. I'm, I'm here. I'm selling a show about that. I, I wouldn't be the kind of person that right. could go around and try and lie about something so massive like that. Yeah. 
Next question I have here is, what's an annoying misconception people have about comedians? Yeah, probably that we're that we're all so happy and living the dream, and we're all so funny all the time. Mm. I've met people who want to hang out with me after a gig, and they invite you to do things because they think, "Oh, you're going to be hilarious!" Oh, and then they think that we're all just out partying all the time, and we're just we must have the most wacky life and. Like, oh, there's five comedians hanging out together. Look at them. Oh, they must be cracking jokes all the time. We're not. We're sitting around. We're complaining about the industry or we're, we're like uh, bitching to each other about certain things. And we're, comedians are people who observe. That's, that's what we do. We observe life. So we are the person at a party who sits in the corner quietly. Not in a weird, creepy way, but <laughs> I would much rather be... In a trench coat? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with the holes cut out in a newspaper, yeah. But we are. I'm, I'm the person who sits down. I would rather listen to a group of people talk than be the one talking when I'm at it in a social situation. And that's even if you can get me to a social situation. Because I'm, I'm, I, like many others, are very introverted extroverts. We, we can only do the social thing... Yeah, to a you know in certain um amounts mm-hmm. i i kind of stay shy and quiet a lot of the time and when it comes to going to do my show then that's when i turn it on but uh yeah i think i think that thing that we're all happy getting around it being so friendly and we're the clowns of the world no not so much and then last question i have from instagram is what is your favorite and least favorite part about being a comedian Oh, wow. My favorite part is uh, it's it's that iceberg theory. I think I touched on it earlier. Um, the being on stage is easily easily the best part every comedian loves. When we're on stage improvising, trying out a new joke, working on something new that lands, that's great. Getting that little instant gratification from an audience and knowing whether it's a fun moment or not. We love that bit. We also love hanging out with other comics at the end of the night, um, just just talking crap. Um, the thing I hate the most is the bottom of that iceberg that nobody sees, which I talked about before. All of the admin, all of the, the doubt. Um, you rely on so many other people uh, to make a career of this. There's a lot of bookers, there's a lot of promoters, there's festival directors uh, who can and can't change your life kind of thing. Um, you So you have to work hard to be noticed. You can keep getting better and better at what you do, but unless you're playing the game and networking with the right people, mm-hmm. you may never be, you know, at the level you want. So that's on a career level. But on a personal level, level uh, one of the bad parts is uh, not having stability. No family life, yeah. no friends around... Uh, you are on the road a lot if it's the way you if you live like I do so there's the um, uncertainty of where your next uh, bed is or where your next meal's coming from um, those kind of things it's it, it's tough takes its toll are you do you look for your next show and trying to book gigs and everything or does someone help you with that um going back to dating a comedian I would love to date someone who can do all of that for me. 
<laughs> so, manager. <laughs> yeah, so just a shout out, shout out to your uh, listeners. Uh, if anyone there is a professional <laughs> photographer and social media expert as well as a manager and is good with uh, doing the admin and designing posters, like an all-round, you know, man or, man or woman, doesn't matter, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take anyone, you know. Robot, I'll take I'll take Alexa, <laughs> Alexa or, um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's, I, I'm I'm doing it all. That's to answer the question. I do everything myself, and it's uh, yeah, it's time it's time consuming. It's draining. Like right now, I'm I'm in Calgary doing the Calgary Fringe Festival. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I'm preparing to leave to Edmonton tomorrow to do two different shows. Mm-hmm where I have to have press releases sent out, posters and po- uh, everything organized. Right. And then I'm planning my European tour straight afterwards. And then in six months from now, the Australian festivals begin and their deadlines are in the next three days as well. So there's Crazy. always a deadline, like at least six months ahead. And if you miss the deadline, um, it's your own fault. And you miss out on the work. What do you like? What's What do you have to do? Is there like applications or like do you just sign up and reach out to those organizers? Um, I've been fortunate, I guess, with my experience to, you know, you make a lot of contacts and networks who run venues. So at different festivals, uh, you might know someone who runs a venue and they say, oh, yeah, we want you to come and do a show there. Mm -hmm. But to get into the festival itself, you have to apply uh, through all of their individual websites. They have an application template. Uh, you have to submit your expression of interest. Then you have to pay a registration fee. Then there'll be deadlines of when to get your posters organized, your little blurb that you put in the program guide, a photograph, the headshots, getting everything organized like that. And that might just be for a one-week festival or a two-week festival. But then that will happen in as many cities as you want to tour in. Mm-hmm. So... And then at each of those festivals, you have to do the media releases and contact to get press. And then you have to organize your accommodation, your uh, transport, someone to help you promote the show while you're there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there is a, a constant uh, thing of that. And then you book all those other side gigs as well. As a stand-up comedian, you try and do as many comedy clubs as you can to promote yourself. So you're, re- you're relying on them to get back to you. A lot of Comedy rooms are run by comedians and comedians tend to be bad at admin. So we have to, you know, wait on stuff. People get back to you. I'm going to Finland, Estonia, Switzerland and Austria coming up in September. Um, And I'm trying to book a whole bunch of other countries around that. But it is just this nightmare of dealing with time zones and uh, waiting for people to get back to you while they're also doing their own jobs at the same time. So, you know, I can't. I can't think that they've got to stop and do everything for me, but mm. I can't do a lot of stuff unless I'm uh, getting confirmation off a lot of those people as well. So let's say you were to retire from being a comedian and you were to go into writing full time. Do you think you would stay and live in one place, say just go back to Australia, or do you think that you would just end up traveling? Do you think you could stay in one place for a long time? I struggle. I struggle staying still. Uh, Australia's great geographically, politically. I don't like the country. I think cultural-wise, it's a bit backwards in certain ways. But then you go to other countries and then you find it's the same there as well. I think a lot of people have that grass is always greener mentality. 
Like I, I love um, the attitude of a lot of people in the United States um, because they're quite positive people, but then, you know, there's a lot of other problems with healthcare and guns and whatever. Uh, I love South South America, but I don't think it's a place I could live. I would love to live there for certain points. Um, I don't know. I don't think there is one place I could live completely. I mean, I've been doing this for... I've been on the road for 15 years. I don't know what normal is. So I would like to have some more stability. Mm-hmm. I just don't know where that would be. And I genuinely am not sure how I'm going to stop doing what I do. Next year, I'm planning to go to Africa um, because I want to see all these different countries. And uh, from there, I, I don't know what's going to happen. It's uh, yes. it's scary and strange and exciting all the same. But amazing at the same time. Um, before we wrap things up, do you want to tell people where they can keep up with your shows and find you online on social media and all that? Of course, of course. Uh there will be a website of mine, I believe. I've got one. <laughs> uh, it's MarcusRyan.com. It's www.itsmarcusryan.com. Uh, or I'm on every every single social media at It's Marcus Ryan. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube channel, LinkedIn, uh, I don't do anything on LinkedIn, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, mostly Instagram and Facebook, Twitter and uh, YouTube. I I, um, I update people on where I'm performing. So I'm touring around uh, Alberta at the moment, doing the Edmonton Fringe. I've got two shows there. Um, but yeah, basically I, I do a lot of videos, uh, travel blogs and things like that wherever I am at the time. And, um, and on my website, you can find a full list of where I'm gigging as well in the future. And if you're listening in some remote country in the world and I haven't performed there yet, find a venue, get some friends, and I'll come. And if you're that admin person, you know, looking for some work, make sure to contact Marcus. <laughs> swipe right. Swipe right. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for being here. We had some technical issues, so we've actually been sharing a mic. But yeah, like I said, Marcus is leaving Calgary tomorrow, so I really appreciate you making time and coming on for the podcast so yeah thank you so much my pleasure thanks very much we'll have two mics next time (laughs) yep all right thank you